0: Good morning again. If you have your Bibles, let me invite you to turn with me to Acts chapter 6 this morning. We finished up Acts 5 last week. We're continuing right on through the book of Acts. And this morning we're going to see a text, as I've already spoken to a couple of you about this morning, that the way that it's written is it's, it's not like some of the letters and things that we see in the New Testament where it, it's prescribing or specifically giving us something that we need to do. This is a descriptive text. It's telling us what happened. It reads almost like a narrative. This took place, this took place, this took place. So our pattern will be a little bit different this morning. I will we'll go through chapter 6 verses 1 through 7, all of the text together, and then we'll look at a couple of application points after. And so if you are a note-taker, don't worry, I've not forgotten points this morning. They're just coming after we look at the text together. But if you would, look with me. Let's begin in verse 1 and get the context and background of what's going on here. Acts 6.1 says, Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews, because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. So we see here, if you weren't with us last week in Acts chapter 5, we saw that once again the apostles were arrested and they were threatened and they were told not to teach in the name of Jesus Uh, but they didn't scare easily, and they continued to teach the name of Jesus. And so as they continue going daily to the temple and house to house and teaching the Word of God, we see what's happening, that, that there continue to be disciples and new learners, new people that are committed Christians coming daily. They're increasing in number. But while that's happening, Luke here highlights for us An issue that came up. It's not that everything was always hunky dory at the church at Jerusalem, that that there was an issue that arose here. And the specific issue that we're looking at this morning, how did they deal with this, is the issue that there was a complaint by one group of people against another group. Now, you don't have to know what these are, but just in case you're curious, the Hellenists, those are people that were Jews or that would have, had, would have become Jews and now Christians that weren't originally Jewish people. So these were Greek people that had become Christians, or become Jews and then Christians. And the Hebrews, of course, are traditional Jewish people. So God's people, they would have spoken Hebrew uh, as their original language or Aramaic as their original language. But that's the difference here. You have Greek-speaking Jewish people, And these greek-speaking jewish people who would have been the minority the minority group is saying listen every day whenever y'all are going out and distributing goods to the widows which was a big deal in this day and time because in this day and time the the widows had been taken care of by their fathers when they were young and then by their husbands but by the time that they got old enough that their husbands had died there weren't any men in their life to take care of them and they lived in a society where women didn't have a lot of the rights and abilities that men did. And there's also no such thing as welfare, and there's no such thing as Social Security, and there's no such thing as retirement to draw. So these widows had a real need. There was a legitimate need that the church was fulfilling. We've already seen earlier in Acts that the church, they're bringing all of their goods and piling them, pooling them together to be distributed to the people that have need. This is one way that that's taking place. There's a daily distribution ministry of the church, but the Greek-speaking the minority people said, you are leaving out our widows. You are neglecting and overlooking our widows when you do this. So let's look in verses 2 and 3 and see how do they deal with this issue. It's a real issue. It's arisen. It's come to their attention. How are they going to deal with it? And the twelve, this is talking of the twelve apostles, and the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. So we have the apostles. The apostles here are leading the church. They're the ones that are looked to as the the earthly leaders of the church. And so they call together all of the disciples, right? All of the Christians, all of the followers of Christ. They don't just address this on their own. They don't just deal with it on their own. They call all of the Christians together. And the first thing that they say to this group that sounds, at least in my mind, whenever I first read it, Again, this week, it sounds almost a little bit condescending. There in verse 2, when they said, It's not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Now, to me, that almost sounds, and I think it's probably because I'm reading into it, our culture, but it almost sounds a little bit arrogant. It's not, we're not going to give up preaching, we're not going to give up teaching to take care of serving tables of feeding these widows, but I do want to put, just in case you see that in your mind the way that I did when I first saw it, I do want to go ahead and make sure that we throw that notion out. That's not what we see here, and the wording is specific about it, because the word that they use that, that's translated for us is, whenever it says, it is not right, that word is, it's not acceptable or it's not fitting, and it's a word that's used not to talk about the or not the apostles, not that we don't think it's right, but it's a word that's used often in the New Testament to refer to what God sees as acceptable or what God sees as right. And so what they're saying here is God had already given these 12 men a very specific task. Right, They are there for the Great Commission in and Matthew 28. They're there for the Great Commission in Acts 1. They have been told, you go and make disciples. They have been told, you go and teach all that I have commanded you. They've been told, you go and be my witnesses. God has specifically gifted them with the ability to teach. He has given them the commission to go and teach. And so they say, it's not acceptable that we would give up the preaching and teaching of God's word to overtake this ministry. So it's not that they're saying this ministry isn't important. They're not saying that this is beneath them in some way. What they're saying is that they have been given a very specific task that must be prioritized. And so there's another thing that they do. They say, we can't give up preaching to do this, but that doesn't mean that it doesn't need to be taken care of. And then in verse 3, they give an option, an alternate option that would be more fitting, more acceptable, more right than them quitting preaching to handle. And they say, therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men, and they're going to give these men this task, right? So they say, choose some men. We'll give them the task. It's important that this is done. It's important that this is taken care of. We just can't do it. It needs to be done. We just can't be the ones that do it. And then I want us to look for just a moment, and we're not going to spend too much time here, but I want us to look at these qualifications that are given. Because they don't just say, pick seven men, right, class favorites, most popular, and we'll let them handle this. No, they said that they wanted them to pick seven men, and they give very specific qualifications there in verse 3. Seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, Who we will appoint to this duty? Now I know sometimes whenever we're translating Greek into English and they're using language, we don't talk about people's repute very often, do we? It's not nice to talk about people's repute in public. Obviously, it's talking about their reputation, right? They these had to be people. That were well attested to. That's what it's talking about here. I want you to pick out seven men, not new men, not men that are just well known by everybody. I want you to choose seven men that have a good reputation among the disciples. Men that, that you have seen the way that they live, you have seen the way that they work, you trust them because you have been around them. That's what I want you to choose. Choose seven men like that but not only that they would have a good reputation but also that they were full of the spirit and of wisdom and the idea of those tied together is full of the holy spirit and the wisdom that comes from being filled with the spirit so it's not hey pick the pick the seven uh, best distributors among you pick the best seven the seven best logistical people the seven most known none, no the qualifications are spiritual qualifications. These need to be people that have a good reputation, that are well attested to, that are trustworthy men. These need to be men that are led by the Holy Spirit of God, that, that know God, and that it is clear that these men are wise because the task of distribution, we see it's already been neglected in some way. And so these need to be people that have wisdom to figure out how to do this and how to do this well and it's the type of wisdom that comes from God through the Holy Spirit. And so these are the qualifications that are given. And I love the way that this works out. The apostles, instead of just taking over this deal and in Ephesians 4.11 fashion, what they do is that they equip the saints for the work of ministry. They say, church... We need you to choose seven men from among you that meet these qualifications, and we're going to equip these men, and we're going to give these men the authority to be over the daily distribution ministry, and we will continue to preach the Word and to pray. We see that in verse 4. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. And so we see the plan, right? The problem, the Hellenists are being, their, hell, their widows are being neglected. The plan is we will continue to do the specific task that God has given us. And church, you choose seven men that have good reputation, that are trustworthy, that are led by God, that can oversee this ministry. And so the only thing that's left for us to see is how does that go? How does it play out? Verse 5. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. They set before the apostles, these they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them, and the word of God continued to increase. And the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. So how beautiful this is, right? They they say, here's our plan, this is what we're thinking, and it pleased the whole gathering. All of the Christians that were there agreed... And I trust that that unity comes from the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit led them. And they say, this is good. This is a good plan. Good, qualified men that we trust and that we know that we can trust that will oversee them. And so the Hebrews are happy with this plan and the Hellenists are happy with this plan and the widows are going to be taken care of. But the word of God is going to continue to be preached and the apostles are going to be able to continue focusing on their time of prayer. And this was good. Everyone agreed. And they chose some men that we're going to see through the book of Acts were really qualified men. We're going to see Stephen very shortly. In chapter 7, we're going to see Stephen, and we will see that this was truly a man attested to by the Holy Spirit. And later in Acts, way down the road, we're going to see Philip. These men were good men that took this task, and they fulfilled this task well, because we don't read about this anymore Luke's telling us how they handled it and how it went. And verse 7, I think, really ties a bow to how it went. The Word of God continued to increase, and that's very interesting language to me. Right? The Word itself can't continue increase, but the influence and the impact of the Word of God continued to grow. It continued to change lives. It continued to work among the people. And the number of disciples multiplied greatly. So we have new Christians, new converts coming, and a great many of the priests, right? Jewish priests, those that had been very vehemently opposed to Christianity and to Christ and to the gospel, even a great many of them became obedient to the faith. And brothers and sisters, this is beautiful, the way that this plays out. And so this is very much a feel-good story, right? We, we read this, and we see this is like an episode of Leave It to Beaver, right? You start out, and there's a problem, and they come up with a solution, and in the end, everybody's happy, and it's good. And there's not like a turn, y'all, ain't going to say, but. There's no but. <laughs> it's good. This turned out really well And the Lord was glorified greatly because of it. But the last thing that we do need to do, because we don't ever want to read something like this and just close our Bible and say, that was good, I'm glad I read that, I feel good about that. It's okay, but we also, we do want to ask the question, well, how how could I apply something from this text? right? What could this look like for Mount Zion? What could this look like for us personally? Because again, this isn't saying that we have to do this. This isn't saying, if you believe that these seven that they chose were the first ever deacons, and and I believe that, and a lot of scholars believe that, if you believe that, that's not saying, well, we can only have seven deacons. Get rid of the extra deacons that we have, you can only have seven. That's not what this is teaching not teaching that we have to have a daily distribution ministry for our widows. It's not teaching those things. Those are things that we might could do that we might consider doing that we could ask the question, why, why are we or why are we not doing them? But again, this text isn't saying anything that says you have to do this. But there are just really quickly, three application points I want to give to you for us to consider from this text. The first one is that the apostles prioritize the preaching, of the gospel. Now, Jason, that wasn't that long, was it? Jason was talking earlier about how long my points can get in these. It's not too long. They prioritize the preaching of the gospel. And I do think that this is something that we have to do. We have to prioritize the preaching of the gospel. We can get caught up, brothers and sisters, in lots of different things, and we're doing lots of different things even right now, right? In the past few weeks, We've talked about wanting to adopt classes of local schools, and we still want to do that. And just this week, we're sending supplies, water, and things to New Orleans, and we're also going to feed. Uh, We pray that we'll be able to feed hundreds of people in New Orleans in conjunction with a couple of other churches, and we're doing these things. But if we ever got to doing so many other things that we were not prioritizing preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, and teaching the Word of God, and I think that we've gotten outside of the bounds of what we're called to do, because we are called to go and to make disciples, right? We want to impact our community as an opportunity to share the gospel, and as an opportunity to show them the love of God, that they might ask why we're doing this, and that we could tell them about the gospel, right? Our prayer, we're we're not just going to set up Somewhere in the middle of New Orleans and start feeding people, we're going with Emmanuel Baptist Church there, Emmanuel Community Church, with Matthew Delar from here. We're going to set up with them, and we're taking the food and those things, but the people we pray to be able to connect them with Emmanuel so that they are connected to a local church so that they can continue to hear the word of God and the gospel, right? That has to be a priority. Why? Well, because Romans ten, fourteen through seventeen. Says, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent, as it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news? But they have not all, all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what is he heard from us? And then verse 17 So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ, right? In and, and Acts chapter 4, verse 12, we saw just a, little, a few months ago, it says, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And Peter highlights in that speech, brothers and sisters, that we need to be Christ's witnesses. That if we feed lots of people and if we do lots of other good things but we're not teaching the gospel, then people are not becoming disciples because you must hear the gospel in order to respond to the gospel in order to become a Christian. So we must, as they did, I believe that this text shows us a good pattern that we can follow of prioritizing the gospel and the teaching of God's Word. Second point, they appointed qualified disciples— to care for this need. That is long, but they did, right? And now, I don't know that I've ever done this before. I'm going to be quick, but I have three sub points to this point. I'm sorry. Y'all are mad at me about that. I know, but just let me give you these. There's so many things to this, but the first one is that, that they were caring for all of the members, And I have that all capitalized. They cared for all the members. This group was a minority group. I read that it's possible that maybe just 10 to 20 percent of all people living in this area would have been Hellenists. So I imagine in the church it was probably somewhere around the same. It'd be easy to say, listen, we know that you're being neglected, but we can't cover everybody. We've got so much to do. We're sorry. But no, they said, you know what? You're right. This may only affect 10 percent of our people. This is This is affecting 10% of our people. So we will make special provision to make sure that we care even for this minority small group because every person that's part of the family of God is part of the family of God. Amen? Every person that is loved by God should be loved by the church. Every person that has been adopted as Christ's son or daughter is my brother or sister. And as your brother or sister, and we can't make any of them feel like they are not important, or not loved, or not cared for. If you belong to the family, you belong to the Lord, and we need to remember that. Now, uh, we also see here that the men that they chose were qualified. I just specifically mentioned that because we are right now looking at yoke fellows. We mentioned that last week. We're taking nominations for yoke fellows for the month of September. And why, so why don't we spend so much time trying to talk about our deacons and yoke fellows that are people in training to become deacons that they have to meet the qualifications of Scripture because the Scripture gives specific qualifications. It says, this is what God requires of a man to serve in these offices. We have specific requirements if a man is going to be a pastor. He has to meet these requirements. And they chose men that were qualified for the task, and they weren't just worldly qualifications. It's easy for us to say, well, look, if we're looking for pastors or if we're looking for deacons, then what we need to do is hire businessmen because they run effective and efficient businesses. Right? Or we need to hire people that are popular and well-known because if they're well-known in this area, they can probably get more people to come into this building through their influence. But, brothers and sisters, the qualifications that the Word of God gives us are not those that have the most followers on Instagram or those people that have the highest IQ. It's men that love the Lord and that love their family and that are led by the Spirit. And so we have to be very cautious that when we're electing people or choosing people to do things, that we're doing it in the way that the Word of God calls us to. They did here, and I think it shows us a pattern that's important. And the last thing is that they did this together. I love that. The apostles didn't handle it in an executive manner. They called the church together and said, Church, choose seven men from among you. Now, again, this isn't required, but we believe this is a pattern that we see in the New Testament of congregational leadership. It's the reason that we're having a business meeting after church next Sunday morning because we believe as Southern Baptists that each church and that each member of each church has a say in what the church does, right? We believe that we all possess the same Holy Spirit and that we are all just as saved as one another, and we believe that the wisdom of the group is important. They called everyone together and said, Choose seven men, and it pleased the whole assembly to do it. We believe that's important as well. Congregational polity, a church that is governed by the congregation. All right, the last point, when they prioritized the word and the people served, they saw much fruit. I know. But again, it's true, isn't it? Now, again, I'm not promising you this. I'm not promising you that if you as a church member who doesn't specifically have the gift of teaching steps up so that our Sunday school teachers, we pray maybe in October when they start teaching again and Wednesday night teachers start teaching again and so that our staff and so that I as, as the teaching pastor, if you say, if I step up, And start handling more ministry so that our teachers can focus more time in prayer and more time in preparation and more time in teaching are you telling me that we're going to see these things happen that we're going to see the word of god continue to increase and that we're going to see a great number of disciples multiplying and that we're going to see even priests or people that are opposed to the gospel coming to christ it's not the promise of acts chapter 6. acts chapter 6 says this is what happened there but this is what i see I believe with all my heart that if we do the things that we see healthy churches in the New Testament doing, that we're setting ourselves up to be able to do those things better. Right? That if if we see that in the New Testament that, that God is highlighting for us churches that prioritize the teaching of the Word and caring for their members and serving together that when they did that, that many people came to faith, and that God has brought great glory. I trust that it's giving us a pattern to follow. and believe that if we follow that pattern, that we're more likely to see these things take place. And so I pray that we will. I pray that we'd be willing to follow the example of the churches that we see in healthy ways in the New Testament. All right, so now we've seen the text and what happened, and we've seen how we can apply it, and the last thing that I want to do is ask you a couple of personal questions, right? Not Mount Zion, you. And the first one is, do you believe the gospel? Because we said that, that you have to prioritize, we have to prioritize, they did prioritize the preaching, the gospel. The gospel is, we talked about with Drew earlier, that, that we are sinners that are lost, that need to be saved, and the only way that we can do that is through faith in Jesus Christ, that he came and lived a perfect life and died in our place, and that if we respond in faith to him, that our sins are taken away and we're made brand new and we're given eternal life and we're adopted into the family of God. But the question that you need to ask yourself this morning is do you really believe that? Not have you heard that, not do you understand that in a head, not do you believe that in your heart? Has it changed who you are because you believe that in that way. If not, if you have questions about it, why would you believe that? Why wouldn't you believe that? Zach, can you tell me more about it? I would love to. Come and see me after the service. Reach out through Facebook, on our church Facebook page. If you send a message, i will come right to me. Let me know that you'd love to set up a time when we could talk about it more. I'd love to talk about the gospel with you more. I also ask you this morning, are you part of, of the ones at the church that are serving. We see here that they chose qualified people and those people served and allowed people that had other specific tasks and giftings to focus on those tasks and giftings. If you're a member of Mount Mount Zion Baptist Church, are you using the giftings that the Lord has given you? Are you serving in specific areas that you know that the Lord has gifted you to be able to serve? And if not, I just simply ask, would you be willing to? Would you consider it? Maybe you say, I don't don't know where my gifts would fit in with the church. Well, that's great. Again, let me know. I'd love to sit down and talk to you about it. Just get to know you and the things that you're passionate about and the, the areas that you do things at work and other parts of your life and see how that would fit into the church context. Let me know. Let's sit down. Let's have a discussion sometime. This morning, I want to invite you to stand. And as we think about these things, as we think about the truth of the gospel and how Christ has saved us from our sins and how we now get to go and proclaim that to all the world. As we think about how God allows people like us that make mistakes and they're not trustworthy all the time, he allows us to be part of the church and to serve and to be part of this ministry. I just want us to respond this morning. Maybe you need to respond by repenting because you haven't done some of these things. Maybe you want to respond out of excitement and pray and tell God thank you. Maybe you just want to sing as we sing. But we do want to have a time of response this morning. If you need somebody to pray with you or if you have a question, come see me. And if not, respond however the Lord leads you to as Brother Shane leads us in a hymn of invitation.